wanting to experience your presence. We know that you're with us every day. But we pray that today we would experience it in a way that's tangible, in a way that we can perceive, in a way that is memorable to us. And so that we would know that you're with us everywhere. Let's sing.
death straight in the face. So that that's something we can do too. We can wake up to a new way of living where we treat people right, where we love those that don't love us, where we take punishment from people and yet we see the same lamb take punishment from evil people and rise again, vindicated by the Father. I pray that that's us as a church today, listening to the words of God. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, I want you just right where you are, can we give this the greatest hand clap of praise, the greatest moment of praise with inside of you this morning to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. No. Amen. Wow. Man, has this not been a wonderful time of worship this morning? Wow. In absolutely incredible. I so bad want you to slap the neighbor beside you a high five. But that's probably against the rules. So, you know, that's cool. That's cool. Actually, you guys can be seated. Be seated. Uh, go right ahead. 
Amen. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, can we give the Lord another hand cover of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, it just never gets old. Just God, God never gets old, right? Like never. It's a miraculous. I love seeing God move in these moments that we're, you know, having here this morning. And the first service was also fantastic. And now we get to experience it with you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I just normally we have video announcements. I said, scrap it. Let's just get right into it. You know what I mean? When you're feeling it, you're feeling it. You got to go with it. Amen. So we are in our um, fourth message um, on this sermon series called Awaken. All right. And what I want to do before we go any further is I just want to have a word of prayer with you, if that's all right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, you have no doubt in our minds allowed your presence to be felt in this place. And God, we're just so thankful for that. We love you so much, Father. And Lord, as we are continued to be gathered here this morning, um, God, just allow your Holy Spirit to continue throughout the rest of the service to just really infiltrate us, Lord. May we feel your presence, God. May we uh, sense your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us in everything that we do. Father, God, that um, we will open our minds and our hearts, Lord, to be receptive of the message that you've intended for this moment, for this time. Because, Lord, such a time as this. And, Lord, everything that we have go through in life, God, you have directed our paths within it. And so even in this moment this morning, there's no doubt, Lord, that you have directed us to where we are right now. And so, God, just pour out your spirit to us through your scriptures as we go forward. In Christ's name, church says amen. 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 Awesome. Hey, listen, we love you guys. And those of you who are here, welcome to Church by the Beach, watching us online. Welcome, as well as listening to us on the radio. Now, here we go. We're going to start off with a statement that we believe very much within our church, and it is this. We believe the entire Bible to be this, inspired. It is the inspired, infallible word of God. It is what? The revelation of God's will for man, and it is the divine authority, final authority for the Christian's life. Now we're going to take a look in scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says all. Somebody say all. all. Do you know that all means like everything, right? You understand that? The entirety. The entire, you know, if you got a Bible, hold that up for a second. If you got your phone and you got your Bible on it, hold that up. Let me help you out. All. Genesis the Revelation. All scripture is God breathed. And is useful. Meaning what? The Bible was never just intended to be read, but intended to be applied to your life. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. So why is God giving it? So that we can be equipped. Not just equipped, not partially, but what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the two most important disciplines for any Christ follower falls into these two things. One, praying. Two, the reading of God's word. And listen, we may have and we do have many voices in our lives that are speaking to us. And listen, these voices are getting louder and louder all the time. 
All right. Voices that are trying to convince you their way or their side is the right way. Right. In actuality, all you want to hear and all you want to know, and this is for me, all I want to experience is absolute truth. So what I want us to do this morning as we go through God's scriptures, I want us to be able to walk away from here saying, I am fully trusting God's word. And having an understanding that not only am I to trust in it, but listen, this is very important, but that I'm also living this out. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. This is what scripture tells us. Heaven and earth will pass away. What does that mean? That means earthly things, the heavens, what? These things will change. But he goes on to say, but my words will never pass away. And how do we know this? How, how do we know that this is true? How, how do we know that this is absolutely accurate? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you five things this morning that are going to help show you the accuracy to the scriptures. Number one, the Bible, this is what it is. It is historically accurate. Listen, we can, we'll say things like this and you've heard things like this. Look, it's full of great principles, but I can't help but think that the stories are just a little bit made up. I mean, look at the whole Noah thing. Look at, you know, Jonah, this big fish, you know, great metaphors. Lots of metaphors, lots of stories. Well, I'm going to help you out. History is proving that the Bible has validity. That is not just a book of great principles. While it holds and encompasses many great principles, it is not just a book full of great principles, but this book is absolutely, fully, 100%, with no doubt, accurate. Amen. Psalm chapter 33, verse 4 says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. Now, historians will tell you that in order to prove something, there is a, 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 a set of three tests that it must pass through. The first one of those three is the eyewitness account. These are not just stories, but what we read within Scripture are actually eyewitness accounts. They're not just hearsay. The fact of the matter is this, that the majority of the Bible is written by people who didn't hear the stories from generation to generation passed down, but they were actually there in that moment, in that season. If you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all written by different authors, yet still have the exact same message. These authors, these who wrote those books, never came together and collaborated. But yet their message never contradicted one another. Absolutely amazing. You look in the Old Testament with Moses. He didn't hear the story about the Red Sea when he wrote about it or in order to write about it. He literally experienced the events. So we look through scripture and we see here that it is not only just, you know, stories, but the real life events that actually took place. All right. Now, here's another one. A test that it must pass. 
must be recorded and copied with extreme care. God's word. It was entrusted by some of the most meticulous individuals ever to be on this earth in order for it to be translated. And that was through the Jewish nation. The Jewish scribes have a standard that no one else on earth has when it comes to recording history. That when they transfer words, they just don't do the words by themselves, but they actually transfer and break it down by the letter itself. In fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were not even found until the 1940s and the 1950s, were matched up with these ancient copies of the text. And it, they matched perfectly word for word and letter by letter. Again, giving proof to the accuracy of God's word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. The third thing it must pass through is an archaeological confirmation. And even to this day, they are continually excavating areas and, and, and bringing um, and, and finding that these things are coming to be as they find new proof that the Bible is absolutely true. So we know that the Bible is true historically. It's, there's proof there to it. We see within Scripture, we know that the eyewitnesses' accounts are the ones who wrote and were a part of this Scripture. So we have an understanding that the Bible is historically accurate. But number two, watch this. It is scientifically accurate as well. You see, God is the God of this universe. And because he has created everything, he has then also created the laws of this universe. Science changes all the time. How many times have you ever looked on a social media post or a news outlet of some sort and something has either been proven or disproven? Quite a bit. Let's take a look in Psalm chapter 148, verses 5 through 6. Hey, just wait. I'm going to nail it here in just a little bit. Watch and see. 148, 5 and 6 says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For he issued his command. What does that mean? That means he set everything in order. Okay? When God issues his command, he's setting in order. And they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. Understanding that science changes and must be updated as new truths are revealed. But the Bible is what? The absolute truth, and it's never changing. Scripture goes on to say, his decree will never be revoked. And the year was 1861. The French Academy of Science came up with 51 incontrovertible scientific facts that prove that the Bible is wrong. Since 1861, all 51 of those facts have been controverted. They were wrong and the Bible has always been true. Now, how about this? It's not what the Bible actually says, but what about what the Bible doesn't say? You see, in this era that the scriptures that we read and that we teach from and you hear sermons from, there was science in that era. But you never see within Scripture where their science 
comes out. Watch. They believed in this time, in this era, that the earth was flat. If they would have just read the Bible 260 some years before they thought of this, they would have known that it was not so. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22 says this. God sits on enthroned above the circle. In the Hebrew, that's defined as a sphere of the earth. Another common belief during the time that the Bible was being written was this. The earth had to be held up. I find this to be just ridiculous. The Greeks had a God by the name of Athens. They believed that he held the earth up like this. The Hindus believe, still believe that the earth sat on the back of an elephant, which stood on the back of a sea turtle, which stood on the back of a serpent, and that swam in the sea. Come on, man. Ridiculous. Here we go. Watch this. The Egyptians believed that the earth stood on five pillars. Moses was trained in the wisdom of the Egyptians. But yet their beliefs never show up within the Bible, even in the first five books of it. The oldest book of the Bible, it's not chronologically set within the time frame that we see it and how it is. But the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. Job chapter 26, verse 7 writes this way. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. It was believed in this era when they wrote the Bible, the scriptures, that the number of the stars could be counted. In 150 BC, the counting of the stars came to 1,022. 300 years later, they found out that they were proven wrong. They were off by four. 1,026. Jeremiah says it this way. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 22, he says, the stars of the sky cannot be counted. Here's a belief that they had. Too much blood made you sick. If you were ill, their thinking was we would bleed you out. They didn't realize that there was life in blood. In fact, our first president was bleeded out three separate occasions. And on the third one, he died. We know the opposite to be true, that what? There is life in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says this, for the life of the body is in its blood. All right, here's one that should hit really, should hit home hard right here, okay? In the Middle Ages, the time during the Black Plague killed one out of four people. They had no concept that germs could be spread from one person to another. You're socially distant. Leviticus 13 and 4 says this, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. Maybe our government needs to hear that, not 14, right? That's a joke, okay? Why am I saying this? Because man did not write this book God wrote this book. This book that we have is God breathed. It's inspired by God through the power of his Holy Spirit. 
to these authors, to these writers. Why? So that we have some things to be encouraged of in life. Why? So that when I'm facing all hell in my life and I decide to break open the scriptures in my devotional time and God begins to speak to me and what does he do? He breathes life into me. He brings encouragement into me. This book is full of absolute truth. It's not just historically accurate and it's not just, listen, it's not just scientifically accurate. Psalm 12, six, and the words of God are what? Flawless. You need to understand that the words of God are flawless. There's no error in them. And we must believe this word. This can't be something that we just look at on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night through a teaching. It can't be something that we just open up to do a time of devotion. This book is life. This book is full of direction. This book is full of power. This book is our foreseeable future. Like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So we know the Bible to be a book that is historically accurate. We know the Bible to be a book that is scientifically accurate. Now we also will know this. The Bible is a book that is what? Prophetically accurate. If any one of the prophecies mentioned within these scriptures does not come true, you have to throw the whole thing out. The entire thing. Listen, there are over a thousand prophecies written within the scripture. Well over 300 that mention Jesus alone. The last prophecy mentioned, mentioning Jesus' birth. Listen to this. Listen, listen. The last, I want you to hear this. The last prophecy that mentions the birth of Jesus in it actually happened 400 years prior to the birth of Christ. 400. That was the last one. And do you know that those prophecies were absolutely accurate? They said where he'd be born, where he would live, that his family would flee Egypt. Do you know that King David within the scriptures here prophesied about Christ, that he would actually be crucified even before crucifixions ever existed? The Bible is historically accurate. Scientifically accurate. It's prophetically accurate. Watch this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you can trust those prophets. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56 says this. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in scriptures. The scriptures spoken of at this time, that was speaking of the Old Testament. There are many prophecies yet to be filled and we are yet experiencing many prophecies being fulfilled right now. And here's the deal. We don't want to be on the wrong side of these prophecies. Trust me. Especially the era, the culture, society, the timeline that you and I are living right now. Let's take a look. Revelation 20, 22, verse 6 says this. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, 
the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon come. What does that mean? They're going to happen. They're going to take place. Prophetically, the prophecies prove the accuracy and the validity of God's word. And if that is not enough, this is my favorite one of all. It's prophetically accurate, it's historically accurate, it's scientifically accurate, and it's trusted by Jesus. It's trusted by him. Listen, oh, I love Jesus. I trust Jesus, but I just can't trust that entire book. Here's a truth for you. You cannot trust Jesus without trusting the Bible. Jesus, in fact, trusted the Bible. And in order to trust Jesus, you must also trust what he trusted. Matthew chapter five, verse 18 says this, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything, everything, everything is accomplished. Well, pastor, you see, the world around us has changed. And society has defined some things for us that just don't align with Scripture. So the Bible must change. Let me help you out. Don't let the Bible change in order to fit you, but rather you change in order to fit what the Bible says. Can I I repeat that? Don't let the Bible change in order to fit you. But rather you change in order to fit the scripture. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe in what you don't like, it's not the Bible you trust, it's yourself. The Bible is way more reliable than my mind, than your mind and any other mind. You see, I can't trust in me. Let me take it even further. I can't trust in my culture. I can't trust in the society, the world that I'm living in right now, what it it says is okay and what is not okay. I must fully trust within scripture. Now, look, we've gone through several things here and and I believe that I'm, I'm in a room with a majority anyway, or watching online or listening, the majority of people fully believe in this scripture. Some of you are going, Pastor, you're spinning your wheels. You're wasting your time. I know this already. I am already fully believing it. Well, we love agreeing on things until it challenges us and causes us to feel uncomfortable over the things that we believe or yet living out. See, what we are about to do is go into one of the most important votes of my lifetime, your lifetime, and quite arguably and historically the lifetime or the, 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 since the existence of this great country that we live in. Why am I saying this? It's because we must align ourselves to Scripture. And aligning ourselves in scripture is then aligning ourselves to God's purpose, plan, and will. 
You see, we would rather align ourselves to a political party because tradition says so. We would rather align ourselves to a political party because of tradition than really aligning ourselves according to scripture. Can I help you out? That poses to be a very major problem. Anytime you look historically that anything that went against God's will, God's wrath came. If you find yourself struggling in this, if we find ourselves struggling, aligning ourselves to God's Bible, his scripture, his word, what is the answer? What do we do? How do we get ourselves back in tune and according to God's plan? What we did and what we talked about last week, and that's praying. Listen, there's things that all of us struggle with when we read God's word that we're challenged in. It doesn't mean that the Bible's wrong. It means the Bible's right. And our way of thinking and our decision-making is what is flawed. And so how do, we, how do we correct that? We go to God in prayer. Do you understand what prayer is? One of the greatest things about prayer is what us aligning ourselves to God. We have issues in the world that we live in right now, such as this, same-sex marriage, transgender lifestyles, pro-choice or pro-life. That's just naming a few. I'm going to read an excerpt from a study that we're doing here on Wednesday nights from Pastor Jimmy Evans called The Tipping Point. And this is what I'm going to read to you. The end is so close because of the moral and spiritual depravity or condition of our present society. Do you see what I set you up for? That the authority of scripture is under attack, even from the inside of what we call the Institute of the Church. That little by little culture forces have joined in an all out attack on everything that the Bible is teaching. Many people are increasingly claiming that the Bible contains hate speech. Atheism is rising each year. In the past few years, a new religious status has grown significant within the United States, made up of people who check the box, none on surveys when it comes to what is their religious affiliation. In 2013, the Harris Poll found that 23% of all Americans have forsaken religion altogether. That 34 to 36% of millennials claim no religious affiliation. That 55.8 of U.S. citizens see no purpose for religion in their lives. Many churches across the U.S. will see, we see, that you will see, have openly rejected the clear teachings of the Bible. Entire denominations have become pro-choice or pro-abortion, even to the point of significantly sending funds to these abortion providers or these clinics or these different businesses. Growing numbers of congregations have ordained practicing homosexuals. Some groups have been choosing practicing homosexuals as their top denominational leaders. 
Several denominations activity promote same-sex weddings and marriages, thus creating a great divide within the church today. Many churches no longer believe in the authority of Scripture. Multitudes of those same churches no longer believe in an actual hell or devil. Consider this. If the Bible is lying to us about hell, why would you even think it's telling you the truth about heaven? The reality is that America is where she is is because of the depravity and the failure of the church to fully trust God's word. In Romans chapter one, Paul is writing a letter. I like this letter. You should too. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported over all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last my God's by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to become unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Verse 14. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish, that is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I love this, verse 16. What does it say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been what? Clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let us not be of the foolish. Although they claim to be wise. Hold on. Do you know that it is said that the generations that are living right now are thought to be the wisest that have ever existed? Hmm. Although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for the images made to look like mortal human being 
birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24. You're going to like it. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Do not be a person to give yourself over to the lie that the society and the culture and the world that we are living in is trying to teach. This is your truth. Because of this, God gave them over to the shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their error. And we can stop there and we can say, yes, that is what we believe. But that is not who we put into power. Look at the truth of the Bible. Look at it. Challenge us, Father. Make us stand once again upon this word. And not upon what social media But it doesn't stop there. Furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They'd be what? Filled with every, every, every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, Depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Listen up, you gossipers, slanderers, God haters. You are insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Come on now. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve what? Death. They not only continue to do these very things, but they're also approving of those who practice them. There's your challenge. What is going to be the final authority within your life? This world, the teachings and the views of it, or is it going to be this word? First Peter chapter one, verse 24 through 25 says this, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures what? Forever, forever, forever. What does it do? It endures, it lasts. It will never fade away. It will never go away. You cannot explain it away. It is the word. Why? Why is it so great? Because it's historically accurate. It's scientifically accurate. It's prophetically accurate. Hello, it's trusted by Christ himself. And number five, it has transforming power. It will change your life. I'm going to end on this scripture. John chapter eight, verses 31 through 32. And Jesus says it this way. 
Look, you got to pay attention. Jesus said it, right? He says this, if you hold. Stop there for a minute. You, you need to understand that word, if you hold. You need to understand that phrase, if you hold. See, I'm holding this word in my hand right now. I have it in my possession. Why? Because I, I'm holding it. But something has to happen in order for us to hold it. Here's what you got to do. You got to grab it. You have to grab it. When you grab it, then you have it. It's in your possession. And Jesus says it this way. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know what? The truth. (laughs) And the truth will set you free. Free. It doesn't say it's going to keep you in condemnation. No. Condemnation is just everything to drive us away from God. But the word of God will bring something into your life. It'll bring conviction. What does conviction do? It draws me to the foot of the cross. To Jesus Christ. The one that gave up his life for you and I, that the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not, what? Perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, listen, the only way to the Father is through the Son. What's he saying? It's through me. We can't grab onto this word if we don't have Jesus first. I want you to stand with me this morning. There's... Some of you here today, possibly you don't know who this Jesus Christ is. You you, you may feel compelled by hearing a message that I need the Bible, I need it to be a part of my life. Let me help you out. The Bible's no good to you unless you have Christ. It's a love letter written to you, specifically to you, personally to you. And the only way it has any value to your life is to be in relationship God's Son, Jesus Christ. So the opportunities come for us. I'll not forget my moment, February the 6th, 1997. Fantastic time. Changed my life forever. Changed, excuse me, changed my eternity. And I want to give that opportunity to you today. So every about every eye close. You don't know who this Jesus Christ is or you feel compelled, you feel that tugging at you. Let me help. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You're watching us online. You're in your home or in in your kitchen or wherever you may be or you're in your car listening to this and you feel God's presence with you because he's getting your attention right now. Saying you need to accept my son. Now's the time. Stop delaying. Because every day that we live, We're drawing closer to where God will send his son to call for his bride. And I want to take as many people with me as possible. So I want to ask you this. If you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I want all of us to pray this prayer this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need your word in my life. 
So Lord Jesus, I come before you this day and I accept you as my Lord and my master and my savior. Forgive me of my sins and I repent before you today. Lead me, Lord, in your purpose, plan, and will for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning for that? Now listen, God has given us direction today. There's no doubt, you don't know how long this message has been in me. Brad does. I came to him several months ago and said, it's coming. I got one. Can't wait. This word is real. It's true. It's accurate. And it needs to be applied to your life. Your decisions need to follow this. This doesn't need to follow your decisions. Your decisions need to follow this. You understand that? God is speaking to us as the church, as a whole. We have an awesome responsibility and that is to fulfill that great commission and spreading the gospel message all throughout this land. How can we do that if we don't know it? How can we do that if we're not experiencing it? How can we do that if we're not living it? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be fake news. Be a part of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for every person here, watching, listening, wherever they may be. There's no doubt in my mind, Lord, that we have felt your spirit today. You've challenged us. And God, we accept that challenge. Lord, we want your word to be the guide of our lives, to be the direction. Lord, we understand it's historically accurate, Lord. It's scientifically accurate. It's prophetically accurate. And God, that, all that's only for us. It's not for you. You just allow that to be for us. Jesus, you trust this word. So therefore we need to trust. Help us to trust it. Let us understand that there is power in this word. Power to transform any situation within our lives. There's power in it. May we give ourselves over to this word. May we live in it, breathe in it sleep in it, eat in it, God. May everything about us be centered upon that word. Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual. Help us, Lord, in our decision-making, especially here soon, that we align with you, Father, and what you want and what you have desired. And as the psalmist said, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.